Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Compulsive Reader Talks. I'm Magdalena Ball, and today's guest wrote his first novel, Rhubarb, at 19 years of age, to much acclaim. His second novel, Jasper Jones, is winning prizes left, right, and center, and has been shortlisted for some of Australia's most prestigious awards, including the Miles Franklin and the New South Wales Premier's Literary Award. Craig Sylvie, welcome. Thanks for having me. Now, before we start chatting, um, do you have Jasper Jones with you? Uh, do I have a copy with me? No, unfortunately, no. Oh. No, it's, it's, a rare, it's a rare day that I don't, uh, but I don't have one on me at the moment, no. Okay, I would, I would have asked you to read a bit from it, but um, let's just start talking straight away then. Um, okay, uh, sorry. <laughs> that's all right. Um, look, tell me how the story came about. What inspired it? Uh, it was curious, actually. Uh, like, like most of the best ideas, it sort of came in a moment of panic. Uh, mm. I was working on something uh, markedly different, which was uh, slowly losing its way, and I was sort of starting to lose hope in it. And um, I suddenly had this name uh, come into my, uh, into my brain. It was Jasper Jones, and there was something very, very special about it. You know, I just knew instinctively that um, uh, I, I had to keep thinking about it. And so I did. It kept going around my head, and... Uh, from that name, I sort of inferred things about his character, and he came into view, came into focus, and he became this young, uh, solitary, mixed-race character, and he seemed to slot, you know, somewhere in the 60s, and I, I was so interested. I just wanted to know who this kid was and what his story was about, and, um, you know, it's, it's, about, it's about chasing stories that you believe in, uh, so I had to abandon this other, this other novel I was writing and, and follow Jasper Jones. And, and you know, was that difficult to do? Did you did you um, originally revolt against uh, the abandonment? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm nothing if not a stubborn little man, and uh, I, I, you, you don't like these things to beat you. You know, you 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 try to see them through to the bitter end, but um, sometimes it takes just as much courage to to recognise when it's not working uh, than it is to, to see these these things through. Um, and so, yeah, it was a very difficult decision. And, and I suppose it's, you know, on a much smaller scale, it's like that even when you're writing a single novel and that, you know, you, you have to discard sentences that you love and, you know, characters that you, you adore because they're simply not working in that, in that world. Yeah, you're exactly right, you know, and it's, um, it takes a great deal of humility uh, and, and you just need to sort of remove yourself from the, pro- from the process as much as you can and try and service the story and where the characters are going rather than uh, what you personally feel uh, kind of works or what's gratifying for you. Uh, more often than not, it's really about, yeah, just servicing the story. And that's where editors so often can, can just uh, be wonderful for a project because they, they kind of loosen that uh, grasp that an author has over it. Yes. And look at it more objectively. And they're not invested in the same way, I suppose. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But, but I'd like to talk a little bit more about Jasper, because he is such a, a kind of a rugged, shadowy character. And in a way, he's you know, not the protagonist of the story, but um, he certainly uh, is, I guess, the, the character that he's almost an antagonist. He certainly turns the tale. Yeah, absolutely. It's curious. I mean, he's not actually in terms of the time he spends in, in the narrative uh, with Charlie, the book's narrator. Uh, it's not that great, but he sort of almost permeates every scene. You know, he's such a strong presence. And, uh, you know, everything that he represents, you know, reason and courage and understanding is really at the crux of the book, you know. And so um, 
he really is just the, the linchpin of the book, the most the most important character insofar as he uh, almost sort of is responsible for the tone of it, you know? Do, do you know a Jasper Jones? Was he inspired by somebody? He seems so um, very real. <laughs> right. Um, not necessarily, you know. I'm, I like to think that um, characters sort of, you know, they, they bleed from the author. They, 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 uh, they represent... Uh, observations and experiences and uh, as well as a healthy dose of imagination, you know. Um, and so I don't necessarily directly know a Jasper Jones, just like I don't necessarily know a Charlie or, or Charlie's best friend, Jeffrey. Um, but I think I think they sort of stem from me in some respects. I think this, more than any other project I've worked with, um, you know, those three boys maybe represent aspects of my character in a very sort of exaggerated way. Mm. I, I almost got the sense, too, that there was something um, in Jasper that uh, was also a part of Charlie, that, you know, in a way he was an aspect of Charlie to a certain extent. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I think, um, you know, it's about these boys who came from such different places, uh, who, you know, uh, whose role in this town is so different. Uh, it's about them kind of recognizing the similarities in each other, and they actually think about the world in, in, in very, very similar ways. And I know that Jasper is quite an alluring character, and he uh, certainly influences Charlie's thinking. But I think in terms of their approach, they're very, very similar guys, uh, which I think leads to such a strong friendship, you know? Mm. Now, one thing that really struck me, it struck me right from the start, I wrote about it in the review, and it struck my son, who's, who's the same age as Charlie, right. um, with the naturalness of the dialogue. Uh, you know, you re I read it, and I thought, wow, I haven't seen this very much in literature, surprisingly, but that, you know, insulting macho warmth, <laughs> it's kind of just, just how um, teenagers talk to each other, isn't it, males, anyway? Yeah, yeah, I think so, and I think uh, it's really important for me to have dialogue uh, reading through. And it was it was also a joy to write, you know. I I uh, um, I love the way that boys sort of verbally joust. You know, it's really interesting to me, and it's really kind of funny. And I'd love to say that it sort of ebbs as you get older, but unfortunately, a lot of those conversations were were lifted from from interactions that I've had with my friends all too recently. So you know, it's a uh, <laughs> it, it's a little too easy to go, you know, to, to plant those words in a, in the in the mouths of 13-year-olds. <laughs> yes, I suppose it, in, in a way it's a kind of a muted tenderness too, though, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot of warmth between them. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, these two boys, Charlie and Jeffrey, are marginalized in this town for, for being clever and for being smart and for, uh, for having chops, you know, and so it seems so natural for them to want to celebrate those aspects of themselves in each other, and so what what we end up with is a very kind of um, over academic, overwrought kind of language, you know, where they where they sort of send each other up with this with this kind of um, overly uh, obnoxious conversations, you know, but with very very puerile themes, you know, with uh, huge arguments about the nature of Batman, whether or not he's a superhero, uh, you know, which sort of stumbles into interesting academic terrain, you know, unbeknownst to them. Uh, yeah, so it was really, really interesting for me to, to investigate ideas through their mouths. It was fun. Yes, I like to talk like a pirate as well. Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jeffrey, Jeffrey was a, I think, uh, you know, he's almost my proudest literary creation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, insofar as he just sort of announced himself in his book, it was really lovely. I never had to work for his character. He was just there, you know. He just sort of jumped into this book and tried to sort of worm his way into every scene. It was lovely. 
it, it says something interesting too about how you know I guess apparently at least easy um, it was once you had something that was working compared to you know the struggles that many authors go through with the second novel and I guess what you went through with the first um, second novel that you were working on yeah maybe that was it you know I had my own personal private sophomore slump and uh, you know I was the only one that could give it bad reviews and, and shelve it so maybe this is my lucky third you know it's my comeback before, before anyone knew that I'd sort of uh, you know tried to ruin my own career yeah, we, 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 won't, uh, we won't tell anyone <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll give it quiet. This is between you and I. Yes, uh, yeah. So, do, do you think you'll return, though, or at least in some form? Is there some theme in that that you still want to explore? I'm not sure. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. I think I, I just get uh, too excited by new things, and I get too thrilled by new ideas. And I think, um, you know, I might I might maybe uh, think about. Uh, you know, reinvestigating some of the thematic uh, ideas in that text, but I think maybe I've got to let those characters go and, and that story uh, needs to be put to bed, you know. I mean, one, maybe one day when I've completely run out of ideas and I'm desperate, uh, you know, I might blow the dust off it or something, but um, I think for the moment I'm just I'm just so excited by, by new things that I'm heading towards, so it'll be... I think I'll have to let it go, sadly. Now, are you surprised at the extraordinary success the book is receiving? I know your first one had a lot of success as well, but um, you know this one is a, you know it's almost game changing. Has it changed the way you perceived your own writing career or changed your vision? I'm not sure if it's changed the way uh, you know I'll approach writing. Um, it's, it's quite heartening, really. I mean, um, all I, all I want to do is, is, is get back into that tiny quiet room at the same desk. And, and kind of do it all again, you know. It's, um, I feel so fortunate, and I'm so grateful. It's it's just the most amazing thing. And this book has had such a uh, an incredible and generous body of support. You know, it seems like it's sort of picking up its momentum just with people that kind of naturally sort of believe in it. And it's such a beautiful thing. It's wonderful that people come to it through word of mouth and and just you know. Uh, booksellers that urge people to read it and, and so forth, you know, it's a really, really lovely thing. And so, I don't know, I guess you just kind of want to reward that faith by by doing it again and, and, and writing even better, maybe. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, I don't, uh, I don't want to rest on my laurels, you know, I'm just excited by by the next project and, and you know, I, I just hope that I can uh, do it again, doing this, you know. It, it, it was, it's a young adult book, and it's been sold and marketed as a young adult book, but I felt when I was reading it that it's one of those books that really, um, you know, that's a marketing distinction. It's really a book for adults or children. I mean, just because it has a young adult character in it, or characters. Um, did you initially set out thinking that it was, you know, intended for young adults? Um, I, I, I started writing this book... Um, Without any any audience in mind, without any sort of target that I, that I wanted to pursue, um, all I'm trying to do when I write a novel is uh, is tick my own boxes, you know, and fulfil my own expectations of what a narrative requires. And so that I never really take into account what uh, what other people um, you know were feeling or how how certain uh, target groups react or anything like that. You know, it's all about um, what I think good fiction requires and. and uh, in that respect, you, you kind of create something unique. You know, it's, it's, it's the book that only you could write. Mm. And then I guess the publisher decides how best to get, to sell it. 
Exactly. You know, I find that sort of thing is, is sort of beyond my grasp, and it's very curious. In Australia, it was sort of it's it's an adult fiction title, um, and in the UK, it's it's adult literary fiction. In the US, it's young adult. Uh, elsewhere, it's young young adult crossover. It's you know, it's curious terrain, and it's sort of arbitrary, isn't it? Um, but I just hope that anybody comes to it. You know, it's a it's, it's a curious. Yes, well, coming in with my own biases, I think um, you know when, when your book doesn't can it, it when it can work across genres, that's always a good sign. <laughs> it's it's uh, you know yeah. there's something unique there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's lovely that it's accessible enough to be read um, by by a variety of ages. You know, it's it's, it's a lovely thing. So I, I'm pleased. I'm pleased. I wanted to write a book that was um, that was really open, you know, and that kicked along. I, I liked the kind of uh, urgent nature of the text, I guess. I liked Charlie's narrative voice, and I liked that it was so um, so generous, I guess. Um, so no, in, in that respect, I'm I'm pleased that that kids can read it as well. It's just really great. Mm. Plus, I think you know, you know, that that age, it's often a little bit of a mystery to adults. So it is quite nice to be able to see into that that world and to open the door. I think, for, particularly for males who may not be quite so um, talkative. <laughs> Right, yeah, absolutely, and, and it's yeah, we're, we're really privy to the private thoughts of a, of a really uh, sensitive and, and clever kid who's trying to make sense of the world. Um, I think one of the things that defines Charlie is his his curiosity and his dissatisfaction with with the answers that adults often give him, you know. Um, and so it's really about him trying to find the truth of things, despite the fact that. Um, that the truths that he's uncovering are more often than not quite a lot and, and full of sadness. You know, it's about the courage that it requires to uh, to take that burden on. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a really interesting voice to investigate. Hmm. Now, um, I'd like to just talk briefly about the setting. It was a while before I picked up that this was actually historical, but, um, you know, I felt later on I could see exactly how the whole Vietnam era and, you know, the, the 60s was almost a coming of age of an era, as well as for Charlie. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, um, initially, I just wanted to write a, a kind of Southern Gothic book, or a, you know, maybe even an Antipodean Gothic uh, title, just because I thought we had the same kind of climate over here for that method of storytelling. I thought Australia would be such a great fit for that, and um, and so me sitting in the 60s was just basically the make it seem a little more authentic, maybe. Uh, but then I realized once this was a, just became a book about coming of age and, and, what, and what that meant, um, you know, I see coming of age as very, very different to becoming adults. I think becoming adult is something that we all do. We all uh, learn to be responsible citizens, and that happens to all of us. It's, it's just uh, we all uh, eventually have to navigate our, our way responsibly through the world. But coming of age is that point where kids or people kind of burst that bubble of selfishness. You know, you know, kids running around and everything is about them. Uh, and they only see the world through the reflection of what their immediate kind of needs and desires are. And I think coming of age is that point where that bubble is burst and you learn to look at the world or appreciate the world from other perspectives and, and understand what the world is for other people. And it gives us such a rich uh, kind of perspective. And it's the struggle that Charlie has. You know, he has his bubble burst very, very in a very, very dramatic way in the opening chapter of this book, and it's about his struggle with that. 
It's about him learning what the world is like as Jones rather than trading on, on the myth of it. And so I guess the contention of the book is that uh, so all of us at one point become adult, but not all of us come of age. So many of us who are adults still walk around in that kind of giant bubble of selfishness where we only really look at the world as it influences us without understanding what it is for other people. And so I guess how this links back to the 60s is in Australia in the 60s we kind of tend to uh, celebrate it as a sort of healthy period of social politics where we really came of age. And uh, I think one of the reasons this book is so immediately identifiable now is that maybe not so much as is different, maybe not so much has changed or um, uh, we've progressed Maybe we haven't progressed quite so much as we give ourselves credit for. Mm. Yeah, especially with some of the overall themes that I suppose remain topical, the prejudice and, you know, some of the overt and, and more subtle prejudices. I mean, that cricket match, for example, you could almost see it possibly happening with a, a different, perhaps, target group. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and there's something about that sort of simmering tension as well uh, in, in country towns where it's just, it's, it's a huge event, you know, it's a religious event, you know, these, these country cricket games, you know, and so I wanted to capture that. Mm. Now, the narrative takes place in the present, but, um, you know, looking at Charlie and that whole coming of age thing, I, I got quite a sense of nostalgia pervading the book. Maybe uh, almost as if there was a wiser, older Charlie recounting, or if at least Charlie was aware, quite aware, as part of that whole coming of age thing, that this was really the end of his own youth. Yeah, well, I think maybe he sort of recognised it as it was unfolding. You know, I mean, he's a he's a, he's a curiously wise, simultaneously wise, but also horribly naive. You know, and so you spend this book kind of biting your nails at the things that he sort of misses, and these crucial things that um, that kind of elude him simply because he's just too young to to, to get a grasp of it yet. Um, but you know, I didn't want this book to be to feel too nostalgic. To be honest with you, I want didn't I wanted it to be sort of acutely uh, unsentimental. Um, I, I I wasn't looking for that sort of angle. You know, I I really wanted to I really wanted Charlie's uh, dissatisfaction to sort of bleed into the into the text. You know, I wanted that to to be the time. I guess. Yes, and I suppose Jeffrey does a good job of serving that function because he's never sentimental. No, no, not at all, not at all. I mean, yeah, I, I, I love Jeffrey's character. He's full of bravado, and he's, he's such an admirable little guy. You know, he is ruthlessly bullied in this town uh, for his uh, ethnic heritage, I guess. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's Australian, but he's born of Vietnamese parents. And uh, on account of that, he's just, just horribly marginalized in this town. It's just his dream to make the... Uh, the, the, the Corrigan cricket team, you know, that he can never quite make the grade. And so he sort of masks uh, his disappointment with this amazing sort of bravado. And um, he seems so unflappable. He's such a cheeky guy. But you know, sort of simmering vulnerability beneath it all. You know, you know he feels these things. Now tell me a little bit about your other project, the band Nancy, the Nancy Sykes. Um, do you see a connection between the writing that you do for the band and your novels? Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's a project that, uh, that I, I don't take hugely seriously. I mean, maybe I would if I didn't have this, this other absurd career. Um, but no, it's just a beautiful thing that, uh, that you can do with friends. You know, I, I really love writing songs and, uh, songwriting 
for me, it was always a sort of um, kind of distant mystery. You know, I always, I always confounded me how people could could layer music and and uh, and cobble together songs. It was always fascinating to me. And so I just kind of wanted to have a go. And then when I realized I could do it, uh, I just I became kind of obsessed. And then suddenly I had a hundred of them. Um, but it's just a really lovely thing you can do with friends, uh, you know, to, to slot some people together, playing music, you know, this sort of strange common belief. It's a really, really beautiful thing that you can do for your soul. You know, it's really, really lovely. So um, I am hoping to record a little album and, and, and see how that goes. Uh, but, you know, it's it's... It's not something we, we take too seriously. We can't because, you know, I play electric ukulele at the end of the day. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's kind of an undignified instrument at the best of times. Oh, ukulele is a great antidote for over-seriousness, I suppose. So that was a great sound, too. <laughs> no, it does, it does. But I think it sounds to me almost like it's a, the, the band itself is kind of an antidote for those solitary moments in the corner. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, it's 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 lovely to sort of pull yourself out of the uh, the, the dim dark room and and to you know force yourself to uh, to, to see people. It's, it's it's a strange thing when you're writing. You know, you tend to just want to to be more and more introspective, and you get more and more obsessed with these characters that you know don't exist. You spend most of your days with fictional people. It's a strange. Uh, kind of schizophrenic enterprise almost, you know, and you and you can't rest in, until it's finished. So it's it's nice to have something to pull you out of those those that strange dark reverie of yes, and I suppose you get plenty of insulting macho warmth as well <laughs> to work with. Yes, your absolutely. Dialogue. So now yeah, absolutely. I, I've got to ask you um, your your uh, best means of publicity, Cleo Bachelor of the Year. How's that going? Oh God, I think uh, it, it's all over now, thankfully. <laughs> I, uh, I, I I think I must have placed Bethel last. I'm pretty sure I didn't hear from them again, uh, which was, you know, expected. You know, I turned up at the photo shoot and I knew instantly I shouldn't be there. Uh, so, so let's just put. We'll just mark that down as a as a strange aberration. Put well, it that way. Well, you know, look, authors go through um, all sorts of lengths to get some publicity for their books. So um, you're going to take what comes along, I suppose. Exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's worse than, uh, it's better than inventing uh, some kind of um, mess or uh, other things. Yeah, you're exactly right, you know, yeah. You, yeah, you're making me feel better about the whole thing, I can tell you. Yeah, oh. it, it'll never give me my dignity back, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it, was, it was fun. No, that's good. Now, look, um, tell me what else you're working on. What other projects are on the burner for you? Have you got a, another book in the, sitting there in the corner waiting for your attention? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's. Um, I've had a couple of years now with touring to to do notes on my next book, and I'm just getting progressively more and more restless, and I just want to get uh, want to get my teeth into it. I've got a lot lot of notes there and a lot of research ready to go, so I I know what I want to work on next. Um, I've been very fortunate. The, the film rights to Jasper Jones have been soft, and so um, we're we're just looking into to getting that up and running. Also. Um, you know, stage rights have been sold, and so uh, Jasper will be on stage, uh, I think, the end of next year, and also a short story that I wrote for the National Get Reading campaign called The Amber Amulet. Uh, that will be on stage as well. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of things going on. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a really exciting time. I've been very, very lucky with, uh, uh, with, with people getting in touch and, and getting involved. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, how do you feel about, uh, will you get involved in the writing of the screenplay or the, the um, actual play? Yeah, foolishly, uh, they entrusted me with, with writing the script for Jasper Jones, uh, and I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. So I'm trying to just stuff as much film jargon in there as possible to sort of to fool them into thinking I know what I'm doing. Um, but but I'm 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 not too hopeful. It will make sooner, sooner or later we'll have to get someone who knows what they're doing uh, to help us out. Um, yeah, but no, it's fun to be involved. It's it's really lovely and it's an exciting. Project. So uh, fingers crossed, you know that that we can get. Um, Folks with deep pockets involved, I guess, yep. and uh, and it gets up and thing. Yeah. Do you have actors in mind? Oh, look! I think Russell Crowe is going to play everybody. You know, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll get we'll get in touch. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I could see him as a father. He'd be a good father. Oh, there you go. There you go. I've cast him myself. <laughs> uh, so, how can fans find out more? How can they go about um, find getting hold of your books? Do you have a website? Yeah, I do actually. I think uh, it's it's just up and running. I think it's called CraigSilvieAuthor.com, um, and I think there are Facebook links and, and, and things like that where uh, there are there are updates and and so forth. I think. Nope, that's fantastic. Well, good luck with it all. Sounds like there's an, an awful lot going on, which is very exciting. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Yep, that's all we have time for today, but don't forget to join us next time. We'll have an interview with the author and editor, Meredith Whitford, who's dropping by to talk about her new book, Shakespeare's Bed, the historical fiction. So thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.